Jeremiah chapter 18. I want to talk to people that are dry tonight. I want to talk to people that don't feel like they got it together. Maybe even discouraged and feel like they want to give up. You ever been there? You ever wanted to give up? If you hadn't, just hang on. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was listening to a pastor and he told the story. He said when he was a young man, he got all saved and fired up for Jesus. And he was preaching to every person he saw. He'd preach to trees and dogs. And he was just radically saved. And he said that this older pastor came in and said, there'll be a day where you need to hear what I'm telling you. And he was like, yeah. And he said, well, you're going to have to remember one thing. Sometimes the Lord, you're going to be so down and discouraged that the Lord's just going to ask you to serve him for one more day. And he said, and after that day, he's going to ask you just to keep on and hang on for one more day. And he was like, you're just going to have to go through a season where every day God's going to have to say, give me one more day. And he said, as a young man, I thought that would never apply to me. And now this, the guy preaching said, he's in his 60s. He was like, many times have I had to remember, God just needs me for one more day just to hang on. And he comes through. So Jeremiah 18, if you have your Bible. It says, And the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, um, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. I want you to hold the word marred in, in there. In the hand of the potter. I want you to notice something real quick, because we've already prayed. I want you to notice that even when the vessel was broken, the potter's hands was never off of it. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit. No matter what trouble the vessel got in, the vessel broken or in trouble was always in the master's hands or the potter's hands. So he made it again another vessel. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And as seemed good to the potter to make it. I, I want to use a few scriptures tonight and I want to have an altar call. And that's how I felt. At 3.30 this morning, I had an encounter with the Lord. And this is the set of scriptures he gave me. And he said, and it was for me personally, and I felt like I needed to share it with whoever came here tonight. Because listen, when you start to serve the Lord, I, I don't know how to call it. Sometimes in marriage, I think they call it the seven-year itch, or they call it this thing where people have been married for about seven years, and they realize, like, whoa, this is going to be forever. I wonder if I miss something, and their eyes start to gleam, you know, is the pasture greener somewhere else? And you start reading it, and the seven-year itch gets a lot of people. Well, in Christianity, I've seen it's about a one-year itch. I see that people get jacked up and start serving God faithfully for about one year. And all of a sudden, the newness of it wears off, and the freshness of it begins to wear off. And we begin to look at, well, maybe, maybe, maybe out there's a little better. You know, I'm, I don't have to be like totally committed to Christ. Like I don't have to just be sold out. Like it doesn't really mean I have to pray when he asks me to pray. It doesn't mean I have to really read this Bible every day. I'm tired sometimes. The newness wears off. And so what I love about this passage of scripture is that 
you have all of these people, and I feel like America is there, that are discouraged and distraught, and all of Israel thought God was about to bring wrath, and God was about to bring correction, and God was about to really deal with them and stomp them out. And Jeremiah walks up on the scene, who, by the way, had only been prophesying wrath and death. And he says, I've got a new word from God. God says he sees you. And the word is this, that he's got you in his hand. And though you're marred, and let me tell you what that word means. Marred, it can mean overused. Back then when their vessels were clay, the most honored vessels were not very used. That's why Paul talks about vessels of honor. And he talks about those honored vessels were kind of the ones that sat on the mantelpiece. But then you had the daily used vessel. That's kind of like if you come to our house right now. We have a set of china that, that I would gladly serve you with. And then there's my uh, Nukes cup. That's plastic. That's daddy's cup. He drinks his sweet tea out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to break out my used plastic Nukes cup when y'all come over. You're going to get the fancy stuff. Well, sometimes in the house of God, the people that are the most faithful and the most used feel the most far from God. They feel the most broken. They feel the most, and what the mart is, it's really cool if you study it. The more they poured, it made grooves into the clay. And so you've been used by God. And listen, you're here on a Wednesday night and maybe God's been using you. Maybe you've been faithful in serving God and been with him. And maybe everything seems to be going great. And all of a sudden you just feel this indifference. All of a sudden this discouragement comes on you. And all of a sudden, instead of looking at things like, yeah, we're going to take the land, you feel like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And you feel like, man, I need a word from God, but it seems like God is 5,000 miles away and I can't pray and I can't read. And then we get into panic mode and then the, we become self-righteous and we try to make ourselves pray and muster up stuff. And listen, that's not the way the Bible intended. God has to come to his people from time to time like he does here and says, number one, even broken, even as a failure, sometimes that marred vessel was a hard piece of clay. So maybe you've been used, but maybe you've been disobedient to him. And maybe that he's trying to work on you. And the devil's telling you all your faults and everything you've done wrong and the hardness. And he says, listen, I'll break you. In a good way. You're in my hand. I'll take those hard pieces that doesn't want to yield to him. Listen, this can be, you could preach for 14 days right here. It could be unforgiveness. We're about to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One of the coolest things I ever saw was one of my best friends. Saw, he came from the Southern Baptist Church his whole life. He, he got radically saved. He started leading worship here. He got around Pentecost and he was like, I want Pentecost. Like I want the Holy Spirit to have every fiber of my being, whatever it looks like. We went to revival. Back then churches had revivals. I don't know what happens nowadays. When I got saved, I'm thankful. There was a service every night. We drove all over the place. I'd be from Columbiana to Warrior to all over. Somebody was having church and we, we were having service and we would be there and every evangelist would lay their hands on him and 15 people would get filled with the Holy Spirit but him. And so he got really discouraged. And the Lord one day showed him finally that when he was like six years old, his dad left him and his mom 
and his sister. And his mom almost lost the house and almost lost everything. And he had unforgiveness towards his dad. So when God showed him that that week, he let God deal with that and get that hard piece of clay, so to speak, out of his heart. And when he did, we were, I'll never forget it. We're, he's about six foot four. He had a scholarship to play defensive tackle for um, Southern Miss. I mean, real small guy. And he was standing in the middle of the aisle like this at Farstill Church of God after he had forgiven his dad. And the preacher never even got his hand to him. It got about that far. And all six, four of him never bent, stood straight up like this. And he fell flat on his back speaking in tongues. And God filled him and baptized him with the Holy Spirit. And it, it was amazing. Because a lot of people that were confused about it were kind of like, man, if he speaks in tongues, and then, then this, there's something to this. And so he had a hard piece of clay in his heart. He had unforgiveness that wouldn't let it flow. And he was, he felt, listen, he was still in the potter's hand. That's what I want you to hear about the scripture. But there's a time where he comes to you and the, the potter says, it's time to be broken. It's time, I almost called this, get back on the wheel. Get back on the wheel. I, when he showed me this at 3.30, my prayer this morning was, God, put me back on the wheel. I want you to start working with me again. Start working on me again. Start showing me things that I need to work on. Work in my life again. Re if you need to break something, break it. If I've got a way that I'm stubborn about, break it. Get a hold of me and work on me. Listen, y'all, evangel will never reach potential if the pews don't get electrified and getting constantly on the potter's wheel where God's working on us. Where God's showing us our pride. Where God's showing us our, listen, judging. We judge people a lot of times and we don't even realize we've judged them. You can't have a judgmental spirit. Listen, I'm not talking about discerning. Sin is sin and you can judge it as sin. You know, people say judge not. And they're like, you can't judge me. It says judge not. Well, if it means that, then the Bible's all false because six or seven scriptures later, Jesus Christ himself says you can know them by their fruit. And to know somebody by their fruit means a judgment has to happen. So it has to mean there's something more there. Absolutely. It means that we should treat every person with the judgment of God, mercy, tenderness, kindness. And if you're not careful, if you start getting in church and become hard clay, you will start to pick everybody apart. You'll start to really get cynical towards church. I pray that nobody in here ever gets cynical towards church, but man, it gets easy sometimes. You, you can become hard. I thought about this. You can become hard to the service itself. Caleb that's all he was preaching Sunday morning. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. Because see, I, I remember, and I'm not trying to go backwards because God's best days are ahead of our church. But there were some good things backwards. I remember when it was the 4th of July and we canceled service, whether that was a Sunday night or Wednesday night. All the people that didn't really want to didn't come. But we had church. We had church. When it was Mother's Day on that night and the church didn't have church, 
We didn't say all this stuff, well, we're going to see our families and be with our families. We came here because we were crazy about him. We went to our families for lunch, but our families knew about 4.30 or 5, we're cutting out because this place was going to be packed. Father's Day, whenever service, Labor Day. And you know what we always did? We did a good Pentecostal thing. And you read Acts 2, we had a great service and then we went and broke bread together. And it was people were excited about the house of God. Sometimes I feel like when I cancel a service, I almost want to tell people, you're a little too excited about that. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we're canceling. Okay, you're a little too excited that we're... (laughs) Try to be like, oh, darn, or something, just to convince me for a second. Be like, man, shucks. You know, I hate it. But I'm telling you, it'll get in you. It'll get in you. You'll, You'll be like... I would rather do this stuff than church. We have to be careful. The priority, we love the house of God. You have to be careful. You can't come to evangel for the people. You have to come. Listen, this is personally opinion. I think we have the greatest people here. I look around a lot of times. I'm like, man, this is what it's all about. And then I realize, no, he's who it's all about. Thank God for the brethren. And we should love the brethren. But I cannot make people my church attendance. That happens. A good church's biggest downfall is the good people in the good church. You know, I thought about over the years. I I don't know what yours is tonight. I, I want you to know that God said that if you'll just yield to him and let him work on you again, you'll see revival personally. You'll see something in your life begin to spring out. Listen, I love when God shows me something wrong because if you know God's nature, He delights in mercy. So if God rebukes you, and what if He does say to you, you haven't seemed too happy about coming to my house. Well, what He's showing you that for is just to acknowledge it. Get yourself on the wheel. Say, God, make me where I love your house again, where I love everything about your house. And listen, I understand too that our church can't do a lot of things it did because none of us back then had children and families. And I I get all that. Please don't think I'm preaching some weird gospel because now that I have a little girl, I understand that sometimes your whole life is an inconvenience now. And so, you know, (laughs) whatever that is, we'll play this for Riley one day when she's about 18. But it's the truth. Your life is inconvenience. It's harder. None of us back then had kids. All of us just got to come up here and eat pizza and worship God and dance around. And, you know, we hadn't been up at four o'clock with a screaming baby. And, you know, so I'm not trying to put this thing on us. But I am telling you this. I'm about to talk to the staff that I feel like God's calling us for a couple of weeks to fast and pray. I feel like we're on the verge of something huge. But I also know this, that the principalities of darkness and principalities of the air are fighting us. And we will have to withstand them, not just weekly, but daily. We'll have to fight for people's mind that walk in the church. And if you're not refreshed and on the wheel and God working on you, you will not be interceding. You know, listen, I'm just telling you. 
You're going to wander into church and you're going to have you all, all lumpy and all weird and indifferent to God and indifferent to church and you don't care that people are missing. And I'm telling you, it's, it sounds so terrible to say out loud, but it's one awesome thing about it. We're all in the same boat. We're all cut from that clump of clay. We've all got those same tendencies to worry about us and be indifferent to God that we have to fight. But I'm telling you, as we move forward, if souls come in, it will not take more planning. I'm telling you, it will take more of us being filled with the Holy Spirit and His power and begin to seek Him and have His heart for souls. We have not because we ask not. Period. When you're fresh and on the potter's wheel, even, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care from a stay-at-home mom to work in a Fortune 500 company. Whatever you're doing, if God's on your heart, you can change doppers talking to God about, I need souls. You can be sending emails at work and the whole time in the core of your being is, oh God, I need to move. You can walk into the bathroom at work sometimes and that just, you're not heard for your much speaking, but if you're on the wheel and he's working on you and he's keeping you tender before him, you're like, God, give us souls Give us an altar call that matters. You know how to not get bored with church? Have a move of the Spirit every service. That's how we did it. It didn't matter what the sermon was. We really were just kind of listening. But Because the truth was, we knew that this altar was going to be full. I remember people used to lay. Other youth pastors would come here and preach for me and say, Dude, what have you done here? I was like, I have no idea. It looked like a bomb went off. People would just be laying prostrate for hours. I would have to get some of the kids up and say, hey, it's a school night. Your mom's out in the parking lot. I'm sorry. Pray in the car. Pray in the car. Go, go. We got to do what's right. That's a holy chaos that I don't feel anymore. I feel like we're just so smooth and comfortable. God wants to put us back on the wheel. I'm scared to think how many Christians show up and sit up you and they haven't even asked God, like, what's my gifting? Why, what do you have me doing? I'm telling you. It, it's when, when, I, when I figured out through the Holy Spirit who he had me in the body to be. And if you say, well, it's a pastor, that is not it. That's part of the calling. But that's not who he's called me to be. He's called me to be who I am. He's called me everything I am to, for people. He's called me in a lot of different ways. And one of them is intercession. When's the last time people always say, well, nobody talks about holiness anymore. I don't hear a lot of people talking about intercessors. When I was raised in church, you always talked about the intercessor. You say, where do you find that? You find that right after when he talks about the armor of God. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Supplication means to beg and to plead for God, to not let God go until he answers and moves. God has intercessors. They're sitting in the pews, and the American church has made it to a place where they're like, well, if you're not really from a pulpit, or if you're not really doing something like that, you don't have really a good calling. Listen, the call of the intercessor is the greatest calling. The call of the intercessor is to intercede for this church. I remember when we were growing that Sister Puckett would hit that back door out there and there used to be the prayer room over there. And while church was going on, she was fighting the battle for the victory in here. We've got to have intercessors. 
We've got to have people that know how to drive down the road and move the heart of God for not just the church, but for individuals in the church that get the heart. And people say, man, I don't know where I fit. And God's like, you haven't asked me. You figured out where you try to fit. If you're called to be an intercessor, you'll be miserable until you intercede. It's a calling. You, you have, I don't know, there's no respecter of persons with God, but there are people that have anointings on them that can move the heart of God like that. They can move, they can change a whole service. So the devil's done a good job of getting people not to even think about, I could be an intercessor. And it, it kind of bothers me when you used to hear a lot of people talk about intercessors. They always talk about women, like I just did that. There are men that are great intercessors. And if you read through the Bible, there's a really good mix of men and women that stood in the gap. I, I love that Old Testament story, and I got a second, I'm going to tell it. The wrath of God's flowing through the whole camp, killing everybody in Israel. And Moses tells Joshua to take the incense of prayer from the altar and they run towards the death where God's hands moving against them for murmuring and sinning and complaining. And they literally are standing between death and life. And I think it's awesome foreshadow. It's the intercession of prayer. It came from the altar, the incense from the altar and God stopped right there. And then you fast forward and he says, I looked for a man among them to stand in the gap for the whole generation. I don't care if you come from Mount Olive, Alabama. You can stand in the gap for this entire nation. You can ask God to bless us instead of curse us. And you don't know the reward of that. I know a guy one time that saw it was it amazed him that God would listen to him. And I thought it shouldn't amaze you that your father listens to you. But he saw a tornado that had formed and he was watching James Spann and it was about to hit a city. And he said something came over me and I said in the name of Jesus, stop. And he said, I watched the radar disperse. He said, no, and James said, I don't know what happened to that. It just went totally away. And he was sitting there thinking, whoa. Like, whoa. And I'm like, see, you don't know your father. You've had that authority all along. The devil's tricked us to think it's in layers and there's commands. And listen, listen the Bible says that even, even pastors and apostles and all, of, all the people out there in the fivefold, he's the good shepherd. We're examples to the sheep. So there's no differential in that way. We're, we're, somebody called us, told me we're under shepherds. I don't know what that means, so I'm not going to say that, but it sounded pretty good. Like we're under Jesus and we're under shepherds to the church, but I just like better that we're examples and we're part of the sheep. And I think that puts everything where America and we all need to hear it. God wants to use us again. He, he wants us not to be bored. He, you know, and I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit but I think there's people here that are tired and you're weary and you're worn out and you're, you might have some clumps. Listen, bad things happen to people. And they, they you know, <laughs> some of the worst times in my life, I think, are some of the best times in my life because I didn't understand what people were going through. If you said, hey, I'm going to give you a whole lot of compassion but you're going to have to go six years without a baby and have to watch your wife go through surgeries and procedures and you're going to lose three babies. 
I would say, I'm not taking that road. <laughs> uh, don't sign me up. But now on the other side of it, I love to be able to look at anybody that's going through anything and say, God is good. He, there's no shadow in him. I know now he doesn't have a bad side. He's good. Well, my marriage is failing. Hang on to him. He's good. Well, my children aren't serving God. Hang on to him. He's good. He's good. He's got you. Tonight, he's here, and he's good. And he just wants you to get back on the wheel. You're already in his hand if you read the scripture. I love that part. Because, man, if I was God, there's so many times with me, myself, I would have just been like, that's it. <laughs> this vessel is broken. <laughs> How many times? And then you read the disciples, and I, I'm reading it today, and I'm thinking, Jesus walks up to him and is like, hey, uh, back there on the road, what were you guys talking about? And you heard crickets. Because if you read the scripture, he, they never answered it. Because they were talking about who's the greatest among them. And he's like, oh, let me tell you a little story. See, you see how the rulers of this world exercise authority? It's not going to be so with you guys. The servant of you guys is going to be the greatest. I, I love that. He didn't kick them out. Think about when he went to the woman at the well. And he was like, they were like, how did he, where did he get food from? He's like, guys, I have, my food is to do the will of the Father. You guys are thinking physical and not spiritual. They're, they're on a boat and thinking they're dying. And he turns around and looks at them and says, do you guys not remember when I just fed 5,000 people? With some bread and some, you know, uh, like one preacher said, a number two combo from Captain D's. <laughs> he, he looks at him like, how long have you been with me? Do you not remember? And then he says he just turns and rebukes the storm. I would love to be in those moments. I feel like sometimes I'm in those moments with God, with me and, my, me and him. My point is, he didn't just say, well, as soon as the ship lands, I'm done. He's in it with us. He, we're in his hands. So we got 15 minutes before the service. Back there ends, and a lot of people have to go to the nursery and stuff. I want everybody to stand up. And JT, I want you to turn the lights down and put that CD on in just a second. I, I want us to take a little time, whether it's in the pew or whether it's coming down here. And I want us to just tell, remind God. There used to be this song that says, I give my life to the potter's hand. Darling Check used to sing it. I probably listened to that song two million times when it first came out. You know, probably to the point where I got a little piece of hard clay in me where I didn't want to hear it anymore because I wore it slap out. But it was like, I just give my life back to him. Take me and mold me. I, I want to show you one little thing while you stand up. I just wanted to wake you all up. Can you go back to Jeremiah 18 real quick? I forgot to mark it. Go to verse 2. And three. It says, and then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he had a work going on the wheels. That's us. We're there, right? But look at this. And the vessel was made of clay, was marred. Something went wrong. And you can be there. But I want you to see this. He made it again another vessel. 
as it seemed good to the potter to make. Sometimes we try to tell God what he, we want him to make us. It says he's going to make us what he knows is good for us. He's the one that created us. I think we forget that sometimes, and I'm not joking. I think we forget that it's about what he wants. But I, I had this last thought that God, as I was driving over here tonight, that God reminded me, some people look at their life and they say, I've lost my prayer life. I've lost my passion for my word. I've lost my witness. I don't witness like I used to. I don't, I don't have that desire. And the devil's almost convinced us we can't get it back. This scripture is telling us that God can make us even better than when we started. You can have a better prayer life than you've ever had in your life tonight by the Holy Spirit's power. He, that's why I love what David said. He restores my soul. He puts a freshness back on me. He puts a newness back in me. And even if it's harder than ever, if he's working on me, I'm fine. If I'm in his hands and I'm on his will. So tonight, I want us just to take a second. And I want us just, I, I'm telling you, 3.30 this morning, it was my prayer. Is God put me back on the will. Put me back on your will. Start working on me again. Make me the vessel you choose. Amen.